Hey, it's Dave from Florida Beer Blog and Florida Beer Podcast. And if you were like me, trying to figure out a way to start podcasting, Anchor is the app for you. I use it for this podcast and it's ridiculously easy to use. It's 100% free and they'll even match you with sponsors so you can get paid to podcast right away. You can do interviews from anywhere in the world. You can import your own audio. You can record directly in the app. All you need is your phone or a tablet or computer to get started. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash start and get started as early as today. Thank you for listening. And welcome to episode eight of the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com. This is Dave, your host and author, and the podcast is being released on a very auspicious day. Today is the five-year anniversary of the first post on FloridaBeerBlog.com. In that time, I've been to many breweries and had many beers with many awesome, awesome people, and I cannot thank everybody who has read the posts and followed us on social media and are now listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. May it continue to go for many, many years after that. We've got a great episode for you today. First thing that we're going to do is we're going to go to Tampa. We're going to speak to Tim Shackton. He is the brewmaster at Ulele, which is one of my absolute favorite breweries in the state of Florida. Very, very under the radar. It is a restaurant and brewery that is in Waterworks Park, very close to Hidden Springs, if you're familiar with that area. It's also owned by the Columbia Restaurant Group, which is the oldest restaurant chain in the state of Florida. And I'm going to be talking to Tim about how craft beer in the state of Florida helped to create and sustain Columbia Restaurant in its original location in Ybor City. And then we'll talk a little bit about Eulalie itself and its pre-Columbian Floridian roots and some of the beers, some of the amazing beers that he brews for them. From there, we're going to go all the way up to Tallahassee and speak to Jesse and Tyler from Lake Tribe Brewing. They are celebrating their fourth anniversary this weekend with an entire weekend full of parties and some really fantastic sounding beers really do wish that I could get there. And then finally, we're going to head back to Fort Lauderdale and speak to the people at Gulfstream Brewing. Not only have they been open for about a year, but they are the first in our series of breweries that are going to be participating in the South Florida Taco Battle and Craft Beer Fest. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about the breweries that are at this festival in the coming weeks as we are going to be partnering with the organizers and even giving away some tickets here in the near future. So once again, thank you very much for tuning into the podcast. We will head to Tampa straight away. Crack open a Florida craft beer and enjoy. Classic and quintessential 
restaurant chains in Florida is Columbia, one of my absolute favorites. There are Columbia restaurants all over Central Florida, and they now have additional restaurants, including Ulele, a restaurant and brewery located in Waterworks Park in Tampa. That brewery is headed up by Tim Shackton, who is here with us now. Tim, how are you doing? Outstanding. Well, happy to be here. Excellent. Thank you. So a lot of people don't realize that the Columbia restaurant really started as a saloon for what we would now term as local craft beer. This is correct. You know, back in the days before uh, Prohibition, uh, there really wasn't a Tide House evil statute on the books in the state of Florida. So people kind of had their own uh, way of doing things so they could brew and distribute. And uh, of course you got the uh, Columbia uh, saloon over there that that started out as a, as a, as a bar to uh, distribute beer that was produced locally in Tampa. And um, that's the history of the founding of the Columbia restaurant goes back to uh, even before the 1905 date that is advertised on all of our menus. And uh, Richard Gonsmart's great-great-grandfather, Casimiro uh, Hernandez, and he was uh, an interesting man. He, he, you know, he emigrated into Tampa, and um, I've heard Richard speak about him so many times. It's, <laughs> every time he tells me uh, something, I learn something new from him. But basically what happened was that he was the, uh, uh, the general manager of the Florida brewery there. And uh, they had the, uh, that, that slot on the corner of 7th and 22nd. And it was, it was a beer bar. And uh, so basically what happened was he ended up uh, buying that, that lot and turning it into the, uh, from the, uh, the Columbia Saloon there. And then he, uh, they sold sandwiches and, and uh, all sorts of traditional uh, Cuban and Spanish items uh, for the cigar rollers up and down throughout the city. So, of okay. course, the, uh, the, um, the Columbia grew and grew over time, and now it encompasses the entire city block. It's the largest uh, Spanish restaurant in the world, and um, we they have live dancers every night, and one of the largest, most beautiful wine lists in the, in the whole um, southeastern United States. It's a, it's a beautiful place. I encourage you to go try it sometime. Their, um, their Paella Valenciana is unsurpassed. It's just an absolutely amazing thing. And, of course, their 1905 salad uh, is just beautiful. They make it table side. Uh, anyways, the history of it is very simple. It, uh, as Tampa grew... Uh, the Columbia restaurant grew and um, there were, there were many ups and downs in the period of that, uh, that growth. And, but here we are uh, with the fourth generation with Richard and and the fifth generation upcoming uh, and they're still around doing well. And of course that has blossomed into the uh, creation of Eulalie, which was a totally different creature altogether but uh, interestingly enough, the uh, property where Eulalie stands is tied to the history of uh, the the city and beer as well. So the um, the 
Yeah, Eulalie used to be the water pump from which the Florida brewery got its water, correct? Yes, yes. There, uh, there was at one point um, a, uh, a spring at uh, the brewery, but it had not um, done well after a while. So, yes, they were exploring different options. And there were at that spot on the river, which, you know, that particular spot predates Western man as far as the human presence there. Uh, there, At the time, there were five or six natural springs that all came um, up out of the ground and spilled out naturally into the river. And uh, the uh, city had come in and they built the waterworks pump station. They, they, collect, they collected all the springs underground to come up at one spot. And um, so it became a, uh, I guess you would call it an urban style spring and it pumped out close to six or 7,000 gallons an hour. And they pumped it into a series of, fil uh, of filters and then pumped it up into a water tower at the uh, waterworks pump station there at, at uh, where Eulalie stands. Uh, was built almost around the same time that the Columbia restaurant came into business. And it served, uh, the, the, the water tower serviced the entire city of Tampa with all of its fresh water needs for quite some years, so well over 30 years. And um, the water from the Florida uh, Brewing Company at a certain point came from the pump station itself. So I... Uh, of course, the water also sourced the first recipe for black bean soup that they sold at the Columbia. Yeah, yeah. So oh. there's a lot of things that tie us. Uh, I walked through the property with Richard when he, we, he first interviewed me for the position. And, you know, it, the building had seen better days at that point. And we walked through together and he explained to me his idea. And, and boy, I just latched onto it right away. I, I thought, what a great spot to have a brew pub with a beautiful restaurant we talked about the his his motivation uh for a name um for eulalie and where that came from and can you go over that briefly because i was actually speaking with somebody a couple days ago who thought that eulalie was a hawaiian restaurant <laughs> Well, you know, when a lot of people come in from out of town, there's there might be some misperceptions. But the truth of the matter is, uh, Eulalie was a princess who actually lived in the 1520s. I tell this story so many times and I never get tired of it because I do believe, even though I can't prove it, that Eulalie walked the spot, uh, the, the land that we walk. And... Uh, in the 1520s, the uh, conquistadors landed, uh, Penfilio de Navarez landed with his fleet. And in the ensuing chaos, they, uh, uh, the Tocobagan Indians, of which uh, the tribe represented up to 40,000 people in the area at the time, they were a very large tribe. So they captured one of these conquistadors and they were preparing to burn him at the stake. And um, Eulalie was the firstborn child of Chief Hirohigawa, and uh, she pleaded with her father to spare his life. Now, we, of course, don't know the motivation as to why she did that, but she did. And um, this, uh, the story goes that he was 
uh, whisked away to another tribe over on the Alafaya River, where he stayed uh, outside the presence of Hirohigawa's uh, domain for about 12 years. And the next fleet came in to Christianize the bay, and they walked through a village and they discovered Juan Ortiz um, 12 years later, and he and he went and he went home to back to Spain. So Eulalie, uh so Richard's uh, Richard called his grandmother Lele, and um, he thought about the story of Eulalie and how. Uh, of course, it was tied to that property. The property that we stand on uh, was a hunting ground for the Tokaboggan. A lot of the artifacts that hang up in the restaurant are rep- that are represented in a direct physical sense of the immediate area and surroundings, whether it's Tokaboggan or Seminole arrowheads. Uh, it's an interesting place uh, with a lot of history that goes way, way back. We have a statue of Eulalie surrounded by a ring of fire. And, you know, I, I, I think that that statue represents Tampa in, on so many levels. And um, it's great to be able to stand in front of that statue right in front of the building and smell the char-grilled oysters wafting out over the river. <laughs> And then you take a little kid who doesn't know anything and you tell them the story and you can see their eyes light up and they're just, they're, they, they have this familiarity because, of course, Eulalie's story happened many, many decades before Pocahontas. So uh, the historians mm-hmm. refer to Eulalie as the Pocahontas of the South. And um, uh, I think she's got a rightful claim to be the original Pocahontas uh, in light of the fact that she saved this dude's life. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) A lot of the menu that we have is is native inspired. Uh, So we we think about um, native and pioneer when it comes to designing our menu. And how much, I know that we were talking offline about the beer that you have for the mayor of Tampa, Bob Buckhorn, how much of the local flavor and culture do you have represented in the beers that you lately? Well, I like to think of myself as a, as a traditionalist and a purist in most of what I do in the brew house. Uh, I also have innovative beers, but uh, remember, Eulalie is this it's this beautiful beer palace on the um, on the Riverwalk with this wonderful restaurant. So we're serving several thousand people a day on the weekends, and most of those people, uh, it's a kind of a different crowd than if I were just a tap room, you know. So uh, I'd say that our best-selling beers are uh, the type of beers that are very traditional. I've got a, a German-American-style Pilsner. And we also, uh, the Tampa uh, people love their IPAs. And I've got a Green Cannonball IPA. This is a wonderful IPA. And that's, uh, that, those are basically industry standards. But we also do uh, Old Light. Mexican light lager. It's called hydration station. And when you have a lot of athletes coming off the river walk and they want to have a beer, the there there's a lot of demand for low calorie and low carb beers. So we 
restoration station lager as a result, and it's been a hit. But I'd have to say that our our core beer that I'm most proud of that we sell year round is called Wedding Beer. And Wedding Beer is a, it starts out as a crisp, unfiltered lager, and it's inundated with a blend of raspberries and blackberries and it's not tart it's not sour it's not sweet it's beer with a delicate presence just an almost a kiss of fruit on it and it works so well when the server is bringing this cornucopia of plates to the table to present to you it's just i brewed that recipe for a friend's wedding many years as a wedding style beer because at that wedding everybody who was getting married in the future decided that they wanted wedding beer at their wedding so i ended up doing (laughs) literally i did about a half dozen weddings with this beer style and i said well this is a a great name for beer and this is born of actual weddings so it wasn't a bunch of guys in a boardroom talking about what to name a beer. It, I loved telling that story because it really, um, it happened, you know, where it just kind of seeded from the moment where you're in, what is, what is the beautiful thing about weddings? You know, you're surrounded by family, family comes in from out of town. You haven't seen them in years. You love them. There's so many beautiful things that are put on the table for you to enjoy. Uh, wedding cake and uh, you know all sorts of things and this beer goes well with everything so the first time I served it at a wedding I saw a 90 year old lady drinking this beer next to her grandson and they're both just enjoying it and I said to myself (laughs) you know there's something about that that I really like and so we tied into the whole idea of wedding beer on our menu and it's been a hit ever since and then of course once a year uh we'll we'll premiere lager which is a little bit like the wedding beer uh with the notable exception that it's all strawberry and uh what we do is we work with the um independent and cooperative family-owned uh strawberry growers outside of town and i literally cut two flats of strawberries for every half barrel keg of beer by hand Oh my gosh. Yeah, we puree the berries, I DC the uh the pulp and I pump it directly into a keg and I fill the keg with beer. It's a wonderful thing because it's fresh and as you sell it, the harvest changes. So the berries come out of the field and they have a higher sweetness later in the season. So the beer takes on a different characteristic as time goes by. It's a super hit, and I know I have a problem with it because I double my rate of production on the honeymoon lager every year, and every year I run out before I should. So (laughs) it's one of those moments where I want to go back up to Richard Gonsmartin and and have a Jaws moment where I slowly back into his office uh, like Roy Scheider with a cigarette (laughs) out of my mouth. I need a bigger tank, you know. I'm waiting for that moment. But uh, it's, it's... Really, it's just a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're so blessed to have this beautiful spot right on the Riverwalk, right uh, next to all these ancillary businesses, the hall, the armature works, the Pearl condos. Uh, There's so many things that have come up. They redid the water park. uh, And, of course, 
uh, our contribution as well. We have the fairyland creatures. Uh, those are historical uh, figurines that were uh, remastered and remade and put on display in the, on the property. So people are surprised. They're like, why is Humpty Dumpty on top of Eulalie? And of course, then you're walking around and you explain to them about the characters and and how they were in a in a spot right next to the uh, right next to the zoo in town, and uh, a lot of people recognize them. And then of course they got little wow. There's this, you know, there's Snow White, there's Cinderella, and they, they see a beanstalk. Uh, and then of course it, it's just the history of the building the um, wonderful approachability of our staff. Um, we're only as good as our last beer. I, I, I firmly believe that. And, and I believe that even though Eulalie legally qualifies as a craft brewery, I wouldn't like to put it in that categorization. I'd like to think of Eulalie as a brewery as if people were to walk into La Segunda Bakery to buy a loaf of Cuban bread, you know, there's a certain authenticity about that transaction that's very um, real for me. It's, it's about communicating hospitality in a competitive environment. You know, you have a lot of people in town who conduct and there's a lot of options for guests, but when you get them on the lawn at Eulalie and their kids are fishing Tuscan and, and you know, they have a, the best, they've got the, we got the best mixologists in town, uh, making great cocktails, not just the craft beer. And of course, this 10 foot just surrounded by staffers constantly grilling, dry and wet aged steak, uh, you know, grilled pompano, grouper, our, our calamari. That's what it's all about. And the challenge is uh, understand that if you're yourself, you have to remember that you're not just a tap room. And everybody there is important because everybody uh, you want everybody to come back, especially on days like anniversaries and birthdays and certain celebrations. I mean, it's just wonderful to see people come back. Uh, people get married here too. You know, I have a, a wedding happening this weekend and we, we, what we do is we custom make a, a barrel of beer and we, yeah, nice. I roll, uh, I have tasting sessions with the, with the bride and the groom to be and they select a beer, the beer goes into a barrel, the barrel, the beer ages, and then we pull it out of the barrel to keg and we serve it at the wedding and everybody uh, gets to sign the barrel. We introduce the barrel into the commemorative series and, and put a plaque on it. So they get to take the empty barrel home and they have to, uh, it's like a wedding register. They get to brag about it with all their friends. And we do this for corporate events as well. But the, 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 the thing that, brings me happiness is knowing that when I have those weddings and I can bring the wedding beer, put it into a bourbon barrel, pull it out, present it to the bride and groom on the most important day of their life. And then they come back 
for their anniversary and they bring the empty barrel back to the brewery and they say, Hey, can you redo the uh, beer? And I say, well, yeah, because the barrel's a fingerprint, you know, you can't replicate that flavor. So if you bring it back to me, I'll, I'll fill it with the same beer. And uh, I've already, I've already done that several times. And let me tell you how rewarding that is for me personally, to be able to have people come in, you know, they come in all the time, every Every month they're coming in, but uh, uh, they're always coming back because this is a scene of happiness and prosperity to them. So that's what I dial into uh, as far as what we do with the brewery. That's uh, awesome. And you have definitely succeeded in making me very hungry and very unhappy that I am not in Tampa. So thank you so much for your time. And hopefully I'll be able to see you again real soon. Well, you know, my door's always open. I've got 4,000 gallons of beer. And uh, we'll we'll put you at table 504. It overlooks the the most commanding stretch of the Hillsborough River. You're going to love it. Oh, that sounds like an invitation I am going to take you up on. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Have a good day. Call me anytime, friend. Today is not only the anniversary of Florida Beer Blog, but it's also coming up on the anniversary of Lake Brewing in one of my favorite cities in Florida, Tallahassee. Joined with Jesse and Tyler on the line. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, agreed. Thank so you for having four us. Four years. Uh, it's been it's been a been a long, crazy four years for you, have us in it. Oh yeah, that's uh putting it lightly. So how did how did Lake Tribe get started in our capital city? Well, uh, it, it started just like most of these breweries and these crazy ideas start, uh, over a beer. Uh, my brother, Jason and I were visiting a brewery and enjoying, uh, more than one at the time. And, uh, we started asking ourselves why it wasn't something that we couldn't do ourselves. So it, it uh, spiraled out of control from that point on. At this point, you are not only open several days a week, but you are now canning and distributing in the Tallahassee area, correct? That's right. Uh, We started canning uh, early last fall, and we're uh, still trying to figure out all the the intricacies of getting getting enough beer and cans and out to the, the good people of Tallahassee, but it's it's been fun and, and well worth Excellent. it. What varieties do you have in cans? And I know that you're releasing a brand new one this weekend. Yes. Yeah, so we send out the door uh, our Bexter Satsuma wheat made with uh, local Satsuma orange juice and our Red Cloud IPA. So those you can find at various spots around town. And then in the tasting room we also have typically our old chief double ipa and our long paddle lager available and then like you mentioned this friday we're releasing a new beer it's our whitewater pills 
Southern Hemisphere style pills, which is going to be perfect what for springtime. The thunder. <laughs> what is a Southern Hemisphere pills? I think uh, Tyler's the one that came up with the the naming for that one, but it, it's a Pilsner, and we have decided to dry hop it with hops from the uh, Southern Hemisphere, New Zealand in particular. Um, and you're a big fan of New Zealand hops. Do they have a lot of the fruity characteristics that their grapes do? Yeah, I think so. It, it must be that's the case because, you know, they've got a lot of uh, really interesting hops that are are similar to American hops, but also distinct, distinctly different. And what, I, what I'm referring to is more like I think American hops are, are very well known for being citrusy and fruity when you compare them with some of the hops over in Europe. But uh, New Zealand also has a lot of citrusy and fruity hops. So I, I'm always looking to take advantage of that. Yeah, there seems to be a different crop of uh, essential oils that come out of uh, Southern Hemisphere hops, different from American hops. So they're fun to use. Interesting. Um, now, one of the things that I absolutely love that comes out of Lake Tribe and very, very few other Florida breweries is your Wild Woods Project beers. Can you describe those a little bit? Yeah, Tyler, you want to talk about that since yeah. you're one of the brains? So it's uh, essentially uh, wild American wild ales uh, aged on uh, various styles of wood or barrels used for liquor. So we use bourbon and gin. Um, we've used wine barrels. So essentially it's uh, natural cultivation of the uh, bacteria inside those barrels and helping them give more life to uh, a sour style. So which then we take uh, locally sourced fruits and organics and introduce those into the beers to give them more creative flair. So they range between fruited uh, barrel sours and American wild ales. And you have a variety of those that are going to get released this weekend as part of the festivities, correct? Yeah, so we're going to be re-releasing another uh, run of bottles of the same beer released last August. So the same six beers that we released will be come out again because um, we had a little extra left. And, uh, they're very popular, but we only do a limited run at a time. So Now, another thing that you have coming out this weekend that I'm actually very intrigued by are beers with uh, tea in them that you source from a local tea supplier. Yeah, yes. we've we've made uh, we've made good friends with uh, Tallahassee Tea Company, and uh, we actually used one of those teas in one of the last uh, series of Wildwoods, and that was such a big success. We decided to uh, to continue that uh, line of success and and create some new beers, new flavors, and I think uh, we came up with three really really unique and refreshing beers perfect for this cool what do you have coming out and do you have anything with rooibos in it which is my favorite kind of tea we we got just the beer for you (laughs) so uh uh speaking of rooibos we've got uh our amber ales been infused with a rooibos and cinnamon and vanilla tea which really pairs well with the 
the malty sweetness in the background from the amber ale and the 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 spiciness from the tea kind of really on the forefront and showcased in that beer we've got uh canteen has been infused with a ginger turmeric tea and the uh, the ginger spice really plays well with the uh uh satsuma orange wheat as the base and it, it's really a, a very refreshing and fantastic beer and then the last beer is our uh, Raised by Wolves. That is a uh, jasmine citrus green tea infused in our White Wolf IPA. So you've got uh, a really nice um, jasmine note playing with the citrus floral notes of the green tea and then the, uh, the hops from the, the IPA itself that are that's really, uh, it's really enjoyable. Excellent. That are also as much source from uh, the Southern Hemisphere. So White Wolf plays a lot with Southern Hemisphere hops as well. That's really cool. Um, tea can tend to have a very delicate flavor. So how difficult was it combining the tea with the beers, getting the balance just right? Um, well, I mean, you're, you're right. So with the tea we thought about well how do we want to introduce it we could we could put it at various steps in the brewing process but then you start uh running the risk of losing those delicate flavors those aromas that are you know so important with tea so we you know we leaned on maurice from tallahassee tea company and his expertise and got came to the conclusion that we would just essentially infuse it into the finished beer. And then as far as coming up with our ratios, it was more of a iterative process where we just kind of tried the beer, tried the tea, and then would try the different ratios of them until we met, we met that happy medium where it was showcasing both to the best of their, uh, their qualities. Excellent. Um, I've seen many other breweries where the coffee that is used in the beer, the style of coffee is also on sale at the brewery. Do you think you'll be selling the teas that were made or the styles of teas for these beers? Well, uh, I never even thought about that until just <laughs> this moment. So maybe, maybe if Maurice is listening, he'll, uh, He'll come up with uh, how we can make that happen. Excellent. So, so what else is going on this weekend? Obviously, you've got some great beer releases. Uh, what's going on for two days of festivity in Tallahassee? Tal, you want to take this one? I think, uh, I think we got a cumulative of 14 hours of live music. We have uh, two different food trucks swinging through. Uh, we just have a lot of uh, live games and stuff going on. So we'll have a cornhole and slam jam and uh jenga so a lot of outdoorsy activity themed uh, interaction so we kind of just have a, a full repertoire of entertainment going on all weekend between food and music and drinks excellent and you've recently increased your operational hours correct yeah so with the anniversary party we're actually extending our hours for friday and saturday so we've historically closed pretty early uh, we've closed at around nine o'clock. It's been a soft close, kind of like a 
if no one's here, we'll close up shop. But really, have, uh, we've hung out here until about 1030. Excellent. And if anybody is in the Tallahassee area and wants to come by, where can they find information on Lake Drive? Facebook is probably what uh, most uh, young kids these days use. And you can find us at Lake Tribe Brew on Facebook, Lake Tribe Brew on Twitter. Uh, and then also uh, laketribebrewing.com is our web address. And our address is 3357 Garber Drive. Tallahassee, Florida on the west side of town. Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on and happy anniversary. Thanks for having us. Happy anniversary to you as well. I'm lucky enough to be at the six-month anniversary on the date for the opening of Gulfstream Brewing Company. I've actually got some of the gentlemen here with me. Uh, mind introducing yourselves? My name is Mike Dimitris. I'm the brewmaster. Excellent. My name is Claudio Minacochi, and I'm the taproom manager. And my name is McKay Farrell. I'm one of the partners here at Gulfstream. Then I guess my first question is for you. How did you decide to open up a brewery? So I started brewing the day I turned 21 on a 10 barrel system in Phoenix, Arizona. Loved it. Um, lived there for a couple of years. Um, and at the time, got back, I was going to school for software, continued to brew, loved brewing. Software was kind of where I fell into, but never fell out of my love for brewing in the industry and worked my way back into it. Fortunately, by having a supportive wife who made me go through the right steps. Um, from Portland, Oregon area, we were gonna really put roots down there. Ultimately, came down to Florida, visited, loved it, decided this is where we wanna be, so here we are. Yeah, and you're kind of cementing yourself in a very booming area of craft beer. Do you see a lot of people coming in? All the time. All the time. Business gets uh, better every week, get busier every week, uh, new faces. It's pretty awesome. What's the level of sophistication that you see with the beer drinkers coming in? Are you still getting a lot of people that for beer is putting the lime in the Corona? Or? I would say <laughs> we really only get the most elitist of the neck beard beer. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a big, uh, it's a big, uh, variety of people that walk in you know you definitely have your just your regular light beer drinkers their lager drinkers and we make amazing variety of lagers to offer a bunch of people and then we do make the stuff for the uh, aficionados or the you know the ones seeking those double milkshake ipas and imperial adjunct riddled south pastries that we love nice and uh how long did you how long into the process did you come in to be the brewmaster here um, so I have been friends with Ty McKay, um, the partners, uh, for a couple of years now, and we've worked together in a collaborative way um, at my previous brewery in Miami. And um, when they they were ready to um, to start getting serious and get and do the final planning stages and and uh, actually start brewing, I. Uh, the timing worked out just right, so I came on board last May and then helped um, in the planning stages for that brief time until September when we opened. So, going so, on a year now. Nice. So, what kind of a system did you give him to play with? So, we have an oversized 10 barrel 
system, direct fire, uh, 20 barrel fermenters and a few tens and another 20 barrel, 20 barrel bright. Um, what I'm, I'm really excited about is we got to build the water. We play with our water systems a lot. We really care about that. So not only do we have activated carbon filter, but we also have RO and we engineered um, how we blend in a number of ways. So not only was it, he had some of the pieces already in place, but Mike and I and Ty worked pretty tightly on building and engineering some of our own system, including building a waste reclamation system for our RO water to where we irrigate, because we don't want to waste that. Okay. And we, you know, we're very mindful of that, especially from those Northwest, Pacific Northwest routes. Excellent. Um, Style-wise, what kind of things do you generally enjoy putting out? Because I I mean, what I see on the tap list right now ranges from a Saison all the way up to what can best be described as death in a glass, I guess. <laughs> well, um, the mind doomsday. <laughs> Claudio and I both worked at a brewery in Miami that had up to 50 beers on taps. So diversity is key. And having a, it's, uh, we, we've scaled it down here to uh, about 16 or so, but having a, a little something for every palate is, is really helpful in, in keeping new things on a doing smaller batches and having a lot of variety keeps people um, coming back, checking back in frequently, and that's also really important um, for for uh, our kind of sustainability and just and really connecting with our customers. Style-wise, um, I think it's interesting where the the craft beer scene is right now, or, or you know, with especially in Florida, you have. Um, the, the, in this town alone, there's only, there's only five, maybe five breweries and none of them rolled in two years. So your average craft beer drinker has been drinking craft for two to maybe five years at most. Um, and your um, millennial or 20 something is looking, the, the palate right now is, is extreme flavors, right? Sours mm -hmm. um, and, in, you know, four or five pound per barrel. IPAs, <laughs> um, pastry stuff. So, the, the style-wise, um, I think it's important to to make money and sell beer, but also uh, there's a responsibility for some of us old guys to um, <laughs> to um, connect the dots with um, traditional styles and nuance, balance and nuance, while also find um, exploring some of the new, more adventurous, more extreme flavored beers. So you'll definitely see the um, back-sweetened, hazy, four-pound per barrel, milkshakey IPAs, that sort of thing. Um, but you'll also see a lot of sort of um, uh, traditional uh, representations and, um, and nuance. Um, I, I've been to a lot of breweries recently that you walk in, it, you know, if there's somebody that's that's um, heavily talked about online, <clears throat> the menu may look something like ten IPAs, two stouts, and and a couple of sours. Um, that is really difficult for me to understand because um, there's gonna be somebody in the group not happy. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I I don't like I don't like if you if you have. 10 plus taps at a brewery, I don't like the idea that anybody could be unsatisfied. There, some, there should be, in a group of people, a beer for everyone. So I think that's important. 
Um, you know, tr tradition balance is important. Exploring new and intense flavors is important. All those things. So diversity, I guess, is the key. Excellent. Uh, tap room is absolutely gorgeous. What kind of events do you usually have running here on a weekly, monthly basis? We definitely have a lot of ongoing uh, weekly events. We have a couple events that we do a couple times a month, and then we do a bunch of feature events all throughout the month as well. Yeah, um, see, there's a trivia sign yes, just over here. We do trivia weekly. Um, we do an awesome drag bingo show twice a month. I'm sorry, what was that again? We do an awesome drag bingo show twice a month that is incredible Hilarious. and incredibly funny. It is it's pretty much a comedy show and bingo all in one. Yes, first yes. and third Tuesdays of every month. It is absolutely amazing. That's beautiful. If you haven't seen it, you need to be here to, to, to experience it. Don't bring kids. It's not for kids. My, my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, would love to be here, but I can't let her be in the same room with the, the, the words that are coming out. Let's just put it that way. That sounds... Like broadcast. Yeah, yes. that sounds it's amazing. Broadly, but amazing. Yes. It is. I was dying this last Tuesday. It was just, I couldn't leave. I wanted to, wanted to go home and see my family, but I couldn't. My wife doesn't listen to this. That's amazing. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to mention that I know I talked about earlier is... Obviously, iconography is very important, especially for new locations. And the Gulfstream logo is actually really awesome. If you haven't seen it, it it's sort of the blue water droplets, but there's five of them in a really nice sort of concentric circle. Can you describe what that means and how you sort of came to it? Yeah, absolutely. So it was an evolution. You know, really what we wanted to first highlight was water and how important water is into brewing. So we had a yin, yang type of logo that started off originally was, was driven by water and then we evolved that to include hops, yeast, malts and so we had our four ingredients but then that all kind of intertwined with together together and when we when we stand them up next together you get the yin yang but we wanted to pull them out and show them all together and you can't do that when it's just yin yang it's those are two elements so we brought them in the fourth and we brought the fifth element which is heat and or energy Specifically heat, temperature control is a big piece of brewing. It's not right heat's quote. It's it's a little bit different, but the four elements are we bring that in because it's critical critical. It has for us it means science and it means everything else that comes to, to brewing. It's it's being very specific and repeatable. So we took all those elements and said, how are we going to fit them in and still be able to leverage them to do yin-yang and how are we going to show that they're all part of things. So we blew that out into different ways so it almost resembles, at first we thought flour, some set of prop, I still like flour more than anything. So we brought them all together and said, this is who we are, this is what we care about. Excellent. Uh, do you have any big events, any big beers that are going to be coming in the very near future? Some of the events I want to say off the top of my head, uh, we have a really cool uh, May the 4th Be With You Star <laughs> Wars run um, early in the morning here on that day. So that would be really cool. Uh, come dress, Star Wars costumed run as well. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, every weekend we pretty much have some sort of event. And every week, well not every weekday, typically uh, Friday, Saturday is live music. Uh, but I would say the big... Um, Big events coming up are going to be the, the taco bash. So you'll yes, be at the wait. South Florida see Taco Battle and Craft Beer Festival. Yes, we will awesome. definitely we'll be, be there. there. Uh, we have a new, uh, number of events happening on 420. Uh, <laughs> yes, we'll be down at Tripping Animals. We'll also somehow be down at, at Kush. 
mm-hmm. and um, Prosperity Brewing is having their one year, and we're also going to find a way to pour there, which divide and conquer and go, but it should be a fun day. Or if it's 420, yeah. you'll think you're there and you've never left the parking lot. That's right. <laughs> you can only hope. That, yeah, yeah. That's when everybody starts saying, hey, where were you at? <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, if people want more information on Gulfstream Brewing, where should we send them? Gulfstreambeer.com or our Facebook or Instagram page. Gulfstreambrewing.com has a list of all events as we know them, including all the food trucks. We have food here Wednesdays through Saturday. Through um, Sunday. Par- oh, sorry, Wednesday through Sunday. Park them out there. So if you're looking for events, you're looking for things on-site or off-site, we put everything there. So you'll be able to see it and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. It's awesome. And that is it for another episode of the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Spotify, and more. If you want to drop us a line, you can do so at FloridaBeerBlog at gmail.com. If you like and subscribe, make sure to take a screenshot. Post it up on social media and tag us. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Florida Beer Blog. We're on Facebook at FL Beer Blog. And if you do so, you'll be entered to win one of two Southwest Florida Ale Trail passports that we are giving out courtesy of the Southwest Florida Ale Trail, which is awesome. Great new burgeoning location of craft beer here in the state of Florida. As usual, we're ending an episode with some awesome local music. I'm throwing it back to my friends at Camaraderie. This is Hard As You Can, one of our favorite songs from them. And we're going to go ahead and let this play out for the rest of the episode. Thank you for listening, and drink Florida Craft. Live.